Welcome to Boiling Point. What would you say if I told you that the answer to sustainable meat production may lie in the consumption of products made from exotic animals like alpacas, peacocks, and even the extinct woolly mammoth, and that this meat would be made without harming any animals? You may say that this seems very far-fetched, but our guest today will likely convince you that this reality is a lot closer than you may expect. Today we'll be talking with Sam Rathbone from Vow Foods, who will be telling us about the prospects of cell-cultured animal products and their extraordinary benefit for both consumers and the environment. Listen to the story in just a moment. Welcome back to Boiling Point, the weekly science show on Eastside 89.7 FM. Tonight in the studio, it's your host Griff and Hannah. Hello. And our guest today is Sam Rathburn. Hello, hello. Sam is the process development manager at Val Foods, a company in Sydney making cell cultured meat products. And welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be talking about cultured meat. Thank you. And trying to convince you, you said in the intro, I will convince you by the end of this. <laughs> well, Sam, could you start by telling us a bit about Val and the kind of products and work you guys are doing? Yeah, so Val, actually, we've just, I think we hit our fourth year birthday. Um, just the other day, which well, is very birthday. exciting. Thank you very much. We're having a big Olympics to celebrate. Um, so we're a four-year-old company that started off in <laughs> sort of in secret. We had a little secret lab that we weren't meant to be in. Um, it was the two co-founders and the original OG scientist. Um, and they were starting off figuring out how to make cultured meat a reality. Um, so they looked at all different animals. And they realized pretty quick, why bother going down the domesticated animal route of just chicken, beef, pork? Why not look at some new animals that we can, whether they're tastier, healthier, who knows? Cool. So you say that you haven't gone down the route of domesticated animals and you've started to look at more exotic animals. Can you tell us a bit about this reasoning? Because I feel like a lot of people looking to get into the cell cultured market would be like, well, let's make cell cultured versions of what we already have like like traditional farm products but like why would you make the decision to kind of go beyond that um because chicken nuggets are boring fair enough (laughs) (laughs) like don't get me wrong they're great after a long night out drinking having some chicken nuggets (laughs) um but when you're doing cell culture you're not you're pretty much only growing the parts of the animals that you need Mm -hmm. that you want so you're no longer actually limited by domestication mm. by fence physical fences or anything so when you don't have that limitation suddenly all the world's animals are open to you um now with our process you only need like a small little pinch and can't really see my fingers on this but <laughs> it's about like a five centimeter um small biopsy from them um the animal still lives and from that you can grow up, up to about a ton of meat easily wow. from that so from that if we've got no limitations on which animals we can try, why not? Who knows? Um, like the, what's those fish with the really sharp teeth? Anglerfish at the bottom of the Angler ocean. Fish, yeah, they might be super healthy <laughs> for you. Might be super tasty. Who knows? Yeah. Personally, for me, flamingo. I really want to try flamingo. <laughs> just they just look like sassy. <laughs> I think like that could be a fun. Well, meat and to that have. translates into the taste of the meat. Possibly, right. You yeah. are what you eat, I yeah. always say. So why not? Yeah. Plus they're just looking at you like they know better. But yeah. That's just my <laughs> own personal opinion. <laughs> How much are the animals involved in the whole process? So do you guys like where have you been getting your animal tissue source from? Yeah, so um all of our so I should preface all this Throughout the process, we always try to limit animal cruelty mm. as much as possible. Um, now, in Australia, 
the guidelines is you can't actually take biopsies from live animals for commercial reasons and whatnot, which is great, protecting the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, if you if the animal's dead, you can take as many biopsies as you like, which you know means that we are taking biopsies from dead animals um, or from other researchers who have um, collected these biopsies mm-hmm. throughout their various research projects. Mm-hmm. So we take those and then we can extrapolate our cell lines from those. Sam, could you just, a lot of people listening might know what cell cultured meat actually is. So could you tell us a bit about what this product actually is? Yeah. Um, so my bosses will hate me for using this word. Um, so most people are used to the word lab grown meat, right. um, where they've probably seen the Google image of the minced meat in a petri dish and it's like, oh, wow, look, it's lab grown meat. Now, personally, who who likes the idea of lab grown meat? It's a bit, ugh. Um, our meat's actually not grown in a lab um, because labs are small, labs are sterile. We actually grow them in uh, large bioreactors. Actually, if you've ever been to a brewery, mm. it looks exactly like it that. Does and look who like doesn't that. like breweries? <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much, it, if anything, brewery-grown meat. Um, we use the word cell-cultured meat or cultured meat um, because that's essentially what it is. We grow up, we culture the cells and grow it into the meat. Um, now, the meat is probably different to... The T-bone steak you get from a cow in the fact that we're growing up um, individual cells in large bioreactors and then we take those cells off and then we process that into the final product. Now, if we could get it to the point where we're growing T-bone steaks floating in a big vat, brilliant. (laughs) That makes my job so much easier, but we're not there yet. We are working towards it. Um, So there is a bit of post-processing. Similar to when you go to Coles, you don't buy a whole cow you actually, it takes, it goes to the butcher, to the abattoir, gets turned into a steak. Similar to us, we're growing the cow in the bioreactor, or the parts that we need, then we process it into the steak. So what kind of food products have you been making at the moment? Yeah, um, so when I started back late last, oh, early last year, I should say, um, we were growing, growing crocodile. Wow. So, yeah, affectionately named Chomp. And that, <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, I used to be a chef, um, in one of my many careers I've had in the last 10 years. And so I've cooked up crocodile, like native crocodile. And you'll hear me saying native a lot, and mm-hmm. that's referring to just the living sure. crocodile. Um, so the native croc tends to be quite tough and whatnot because it is a powerful creature swimming through the ocean, uh, river, depending on the crocodile, um, while our crocodile cells haven't worked a day in their life. So the meat that we get from it is beautiful, it's tender, it's full of flavor, and from that, then we can turn into a whole series of products. We've made um, crocodile dumplings. Um, we've turned it into like little fillets. Looking at, I think one point we turn into a schnitzel as well. So pretty much anything you can use native meat for, you can use cell cultured meat for. Should preference it that it is not plant-based meat. Mm. I think a lot of people think, oh, it's alternative meat. It's not plant-based. It is actually meat from an animal. And so, grown from an animal. As someone who's tasted both the native crocodile and this um, cell cultured meat, what does it taste the same? Aside from it being more tender. Yeah, wow. um, I'd say it tastes a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, animals are highly the flavour of an animal highly comes from the fat component, um, which is then derived from the diet that it eats. Um, so crocodiles they're eating all different things all different fish and whatnot um so that can Mm. feed into the taste a bit so you 
probably native crocodile. If anything, I'd say it's probably a bit more salty and briny. Mm. Um, okay. Still tastes got that chickeny flavor. And yes, I know everyone's like, oh, everything tastes like chicken. <laughs> crocodile actually does. It's like salty chicken. Right. Um, and this has actually got a bit of that flavor coming through to it as well. So Sam, can you tell us a bit about like the? So we're taking the biopsy from an animal. Could you tell us how or like the stages of development to turn that into an animal product? Yeah. So. I think I love answering this question because people freak out about things they don't know about. And when they freak out, it's like, oh, no, I'm not letting out near my kids. And suddenly they turn into an American cowboy. <laughs> so pretty much once we get that biopsy, we um, separate all the different cells because in a small little bit of meat, there are like, you know, muscle cells, cartilage, fat cells, everything like that. Separate those out and identify the cells that we want to grow. Um, now, there's two types. We can either grow it just in 2D, so flat on a surface, but for volume and space-wise, that's not very efficient. So we mm-hmm. actually um, grow it in what's known as suspension culture. All that is, think of it as like floating in a pool. So everyone's floating in a pool. Some people are swimming under, some people are jumping over. That's fine. So you can actually grow more into a 3D space. So we find the cells that we like that can grow in that 3D space in suspension culture. And then we put it into a giant bioreactor. Bioreactor sounds scary. It isn't. Once again, think of a brewery. It's like it is essentially a giant brew tank and looks exactly the same. Um, and inside of that's got all the cell juice. What is cell juice? You could, oh, you actually, I've drunken it myself. It's perfectly fine to drink. It's like hydrolyte or gastrolyte on steroids. Right. It doesn't have steroids, but it's got sugars, salts, spice, and everything nice essentially in it the cells keep on growing in that um and then we siphon it off Um, we don't actually use any antibiotics either in the process so it's all antibiotics free Um, there are some growth factors that we add in that we have in our own bodies anyway and cows have got growth factors in it so no no fancy hormones or anything added like estrogen none of that's added um and the cells grow up by themselves and then we siphon it off does it come out as like a beef mince kind of would that be like an easier way to uh it comes out it? probably more like a paste right sort of um pate. just yeah <laughs> pate. brilliant <laughs> you know your french um yeah so like a pate if right. you will um and that's just because you've got all the cells free floating mm-hmm. so unfortunately at the moment in our current stage of production does come out like a um, paste or a pate um, that we do post-process. But that's just right now. Mm-hmm. In our early stages, we are looking at, you know, generating all those different things while it's in the bioreactor. Mm-hmm. just makes our job easier. And how long does that process take to for it to be sort of fully grow, fully matured? Oh, um, so from say that we already took the cells um, biopsy and got the cells that we want, from taking it from our storage through to the largest reactor we've got to harvest probably about four weeks five okay. weeks Seems relatively six weeks quick. on the yeah when you compare say the life cycle of a cow mm-hmm. to two years maybe a year yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah if you like young calf lamb or something but yeah so it's much quicker mm. and in that time using much less resources than you know traditional um, cows or sheep would use yeah Great. Do you have any numbers for how big the difference is between a typical like native? Oh, I don't have exact okay. numbers. Um, at the moment, we're on on par with sustainably sourced pork from right. memory. 
don't hold me to that exact <laughs> one. Um, at the moment, though, our cell culture is significantly lower than traditional agriculture for beef and, um, yeah, for beef because beef is probably the most intensive one. Mm-hmm. Once again, at the moment, because we are quite mm-hmm. early on in our journey, we are actively reducing that further and further by um, sourcing our media components, that cell juice components from um, better sources from there. Also, our lab at VAL is green certified. So what that means is we're recycling as much as possible, reducing our carbon footprint there. Our factories just all got the solar panels that we installed all turned on. So we're reducing our green footprint there. And seeing as we're growing in the heart of Alexandria and Sydney, we don't need to transport it from like the farms to the abattoir, then to a supermarket, then to someone's home. Mm-hmm. We can pretty much package it up, send it straight out to the restaurant. That's so awesome. I feel like that really sums up how this is such a good thing for the environment. But like as well as with it being, even though you didn't like the word lab-grown meat, I feel like that kind of emphasizes the amount of control that you have over the product. Could you talk a bit about the potential health benefits that could be associated with these products? Yeah, I I wouldn't say necessarily health benefits Mm. in that, you know, you're going to eat it and you suddenly can take on Usain Bolt. (laughs) Um, Then again... The fact that we know everything Mm. going into this meat um, and we actually test the meat as well to determine is it safe to consume, how healthy is it, what's its nutritional profile. That way we can actually determine, okay, how healthy is it? Now, Mm. seeing as we're using cell culture, we can now make it healthier by, okay, we're growing up some lovely zebra meat. Um, Let's add in some healthy fats from salmon. Let's throw that in there and some... I don't know, calcium from those anglerfish because they've, sure. they've got big teeth. I imagine they're strong in calcium um, and really make the most healthiest burger patty or meat that you've ever had because we can, if we're growing them up in different bioreactors, we can chop and blend it. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of mix and match different yeah, components. Exactly. Wow. The, there is the common thing that one of our marketing team or product team wants to really grow as a unicorn. Um, we haven't found a unicorn yet. It's work. We're working on it, but we're like, well, this, you've got horse or a zebra, and then maybe oh, like some narwhal, some rhino or something. Yeah, some yeah, rhino right. or something in there. It's like maybe that could make it, and yeah. something that's colourful like a mm. rainbow fish, that could work. Yeah, could taste interesting. So maybe it's not necessarily that these products have health benefits as such, but it's more like you have a lot more control about what is going into the product. Yeah. So we actually know what you're ingesting um, i know like in america there's a lot of concerns over like too much antibiotics in the meat and various things like that even mercury and um, big game fishing like if you have too much barramundi mm. um, but here like we're testing for heavy metals we're testing for everything to make sure that it is healthier uh, or it is healthy to eat well now that we know a bit more about it can we talk about the product that you kind of unveiled this week of the mammoth meatball that you guys have made yeah personally crafted <laughs> just fyi um yeah the mammoth meatball that we unveiled on wednesday or tuesday wednesday depending what part of the world you're in um so that was pretty much exciting we unfortunately we're not going to launch mammoth meatball yeah. as our first product um but essentially the science behind it is we took some mammoth protein and inserted it into a sheep cell and then grew that up and then that became the meat in which we then formed into a a giant meatball, essentially. Mm. Um, now, th- there's a lot of it. So, oh, we're afraid to eat it. Um, the the reason behind that is actually, once again, going back to the original question of is it healthy or healthier mm. for you? 
we make sure we rigorously test our meat to make sure, yes, when you eat it, you're not going to grow a third limb, you're not mm. going to die. And that's why we're not necessarily afraid to eat. It's just we want to make sure we're doing all the mm. tests necessary to make sure mammoth meat is healthy. Yeah, and so how did you source your mammoth? Um, yeah, uh, well, actually, there's a frozen mammoth in the Smithsonian in their freezer, um, wow. probably next to the popsicles, I imagine. <laughs> um, and so the mammoth protein is a publicly available sort of um, protein that you can get access to. And then we inserted some of that um, DNA, fixed it up with some African elephant DNA to fix and fill in the gaps, closest living relative of the elephant, and then uh, of the mammoth, and then we insert it into the sheep DNA. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. And so why the mammoth? <laughs> why not? <laughs> I think, well, it's extinct, first off. Mm. So people are like, oh, what about the endangered animals? Well, it's already pretty, it's extinct. It's mm. not getting any extincter. Extincter? Is that a word? Sure. Extincter? Why not? Uh, more extinct. Mm. And I think it was one of those things to show, and this sort of goes on to why Vow is such a great company. We challenge the impossible every day. And this shows how much of a great technology mm. cultured meat is. Suddenly we can bring back mammoth meat and it might be a healthier meat for you and we can bring it out to the world again. Anything's possible now with cultured meat. Sam, what would you say to people that might be sceptical about the idea of trying meat that is from extinct animals or is it grown out of a lab? Well, first off, we welcome the scepticism. Um, more sceptic people are, the more they talk about it and the more it is good for our PR and for bringing out the good word of um, cell-cultured meat. I think a lot of people tend to be sceptical about the lab-grown and when they think lab-grown, they're thinking genetic modification, GMOs, and that's people linked to all these bad things, um, which, you know, we have been genetically modifying agriculture for thousands of years just mm. through selective breeding. Um we can do actually a similar thing in this regard. So although the mammoth meatball was genetically modified because we actually had to insert mammoth DNA in there, um, when we're going back to how we selected the cells, we can actually just throw cells into a culture dish and see if any of those cells like um, suspension culture naturally because different cells. I, I always liken it to, have you guys seen Waterworld with Kevin Costner? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely movie. Great movie. Going to watch it when I get back home. So pretty much the world gets covered in water. People are floating in boats. Pretty, pretty much people can't swim in the ocean. However, some people just naturally adapted the little gills on the side and they were able to exist in this new world. Similar to the cells, we throw the cells in the cell culture thing. Most of them going to die, unfortunately, mm. just because they can't survive in that cell suspension, but some do. And those are the ones we... Um, take through to the suspension culture. Right. So you're sort of naturally adapted mm -hmm. to the area. That we've, That's for our, like our company's approach, yeah. I should say. And we, I feel like if people were skeptic about the idea of it, it's like, even if you were skeptic, it's like this is such a solution to a problem of like climate change. It's like the benefit outweighs any risk that, or like skepticism I might have, I guess, even personally. Yeah. This is such a, a step forward with like in the, even the potential of the limitless amount of different products you could make and then it's without the like harm and impact to the environment yeah i'm glad you brought up the climate change mm. and the impact to the environment so on my tiktok addiction reel this morning <laughs> um i saw a thing by david adborough mm. and he said pretty much 96 percent um, of the world's mammals are humans 
and the domesticated animals that we mm-hmm. eat means that the only other 4% are like bats, zebras and things like that. Similar to 70% of the world's birds are poultry and domesticated birds mm. that we eat. Now, when you're looking at cell-cultured meat, we're looking at those different animals, as I said before, but we can actually reduce our harm on the environment by the green practices of growing mm. this. But we can now grow the food in, or this meat, in areas that are, say, got deserts, such Mm. as middle of Africa, rather than relying on intensive agriculture and um, fertilizers, things like that, to try and grow things that probably wouldn't be growing there anyway, we can actually plop down a couple of bioreactors in the city and start to bring meat out there, which reduces like the carbon footprint of transports, things like that, and gets food to the people that are needing it. So I'm a big advocate of um, so I'm a big advocate of food security, mm. ensuring that we've got enough food um, for um, those who are less fortunate. We've got food deserts popping up in cities um, across the world. We've got food deserts and massive food famines like the West of Africa is experiencing a massive one at the moment. Now we can actually start to help that by putting in these cell cultured factories and starting to grow meat there rather than intensive agriculture mm. intensive farming to push it out where yeah. it shouldn't be there in the first place. Now that we understand a bit more about the product, how far, and say someone wanted to try it, how far are we from the reality of being able to get soul cultured meat in our supermarkets? Oh, this is where I can do the PR drop. <laughs> if you go to forgebyvow.com, you can join the wait list um, to be one of the first ones to actually try the cultured meat. We are looking at launching this year in Singapore. Wow. Um, everyone always asks why Singapore, and that's just because it is the food Silicon Valley of the world at the moment. It's the first country to really tick off cultured meat as um, something that they're willing to pursue just because they're looking at creating 30% of their food. It's their 30 by 30 challenge, so they're pretty much wanting to create 30% of their food um, in the country rather than importing it all the time because it's a small country. So that's why they're looking into cell culture quite a bit. Mm. So we're launching there, but um, join the waitlist and you can be one of the first to taste it there. In terms of supermarkets in Australia, looking at hopefully five years, would say. I would. I hesitate at five years just because working at VAL, where we move at VAL, or we call it VAL speed, which is faster than light speed, which is theoretically impossible, but we do challenge the impossible every day. So it's probably got to happen sooner, to tell right. you the truth, if anything's go by. I'm really curious about, because this seems like quite a, I know it's not really a new field, but an emerging field, and I'm wondering, are there regulations in Australia um, in this sort of live cell-cultured space for meat, or There, There is and there isn't. It's a, it's a whole new food. Mm-hmm. Um, and when's the last time you've actually had a whole new food that's never been a thing ever before? Yeah, wouldn't know. Yeah, exactly. I, I've had a chicken nugget or a new type of thing Mm. from Heston Blumenthal it's still all food so that's sort of the issue that a lot of Mm. regulators are facing at the moment it's like oh we've never had to regulate a whole entire new thing Mm. before Um, and that's why they're sort of relying on waiting for someone else to go first and (laughs) everyone's sort of keeping eyes on Singapore and America where they're being like brave enough to take the first foot and go yes yeah it seems safe everyone's eating it we've done all the tests we've done those rigorous testing and it's coming back healthy um, so in Australia at the moment, that's the process mm-hmm. we're going through, getting ticked off by the New South Wales Food Authority as well as FSANS, um, which is the Food Authority for Australia and New Zealand. 
So going back to Singapore, what is the product that you guys are launching later this year? Yeah, so our first product's um, called Forge. Um, Forge and it's Japanese quail that we're looking cool. at. Yeah, I know. Um, it's very unique. It is um, because, once again, not limited by domestication. Um, we can mm. try anything that we want. Um, so, yeah, it's a Forge product, um, sort of mints based um, but really the first product is Japanese came and giving it out to the restaurants or selling it to the restaurants I should say because we want to make money um, and they'll turn into whatever beautiful products already I've seen some dumplings coming out um, which are tasty as um, I've had it in a sausage roll as well that was a beautiful sausage roll if you want if you want a nice sausage roll <laughs> throw some forged in there and woof, you're looking for a good party there Cool. So with the, I understand that you're starting with the fine dining market. Can you just tell us a bit about the the thought process, like targeting that market first? Yeah. Um, going to rip the bandaid off. They've got the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is not a cheap product yet. Mm. And I'm going to keep on pushing on the yet mm. because every day we're looking at reducing the price of it to make it accessible for everyone because we want to, because the only way we're going to change the world is if, everyone can actually buy cultured meat rather than the rich and the famous um, but to do that we need money and um, if we launch it in fine restaurants similar to Tesla so Tesla when they launched the new Tesla cars they sold it to the rich and famous and suddenly everyone wanted Tesla and then more people brought it which uh, allowed them to bring down the price and further and further and um, improving the development of it to make it cheaper and that's what we'll be doing here mm -hmm. as well cool makes sense yeah. and with the like end goal of say this becomes a product is the idea to for these products to kind of be an alternative option to native meat products or is it to replace these products or how would you see the end game of our foods i guess oh the controversial topic <laughs> um i yeah i can firmly say that we'll never replace mm. meat yeah ever um it's a th thousands of years mm. old industry that first off we're not looking to replace um, at all, and I don't think we could. I had a had a lovely lamb shank. Oh, I cooked up lamb shanks on the weekend, and they were amazing, um, native <laughs> lamb shanks. Um, and the other day, I just had um, some of our forged. I think I, it was a dumpling I was trying. I'm gonna have both of them in the same like in the same day. Next day, I might have a different meat, and that's that's where we're going to go. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, rather than replacing a nice alternative I wouldn't even say alternative actually I'd say just another good option, option. An yeah. Addition. yeah in addition to the wonderful mm. menu now what does that have in the far-reaching scheme of things um, it does mean that there's another option on the table it does take a lot of pressure mm. off of massive farms having to do massive um, amounts of industrial agriculture they can actually start to go you know what well now we can charge a decent price for our cattle and get good money back the cattle can have better lives and mm. uh, or the farmers already doing amazing for the job for the cattle um, coming from farming background myself but now they can actually focus on what they want to do yeah so like is even if say it became that every fourth meal someone had like a cell cultured meat that still reduces the amount of meat production by 25 percent like which is still like a massive impact like it doesn't need to necessarily eclipse and like we don't need to get rid of farms to make a massive change yeah and i wouldn't even say it yeah reduces it by 25 percent mm -hmm. um and that 25 percent they can actually 
feed across to the rest of the world because yeah. at the moment in the Western world we tend to eat m- much more than we need. Um, so, yeah, it provides that good alternative, that greener alternative, if you will. Yeah. And on this topic, I know you said that the VAL, um, I think manufacturing or factory has um, solar panels, but if a company is producing these cell culture meats without that, is there a high energy consumption? Is it still a better alternative yeah, in terms of resource use? It is still a better alternative to most agriculture, so um, say beef and yeah. sheep, I think. I think pork, seeing as pork they can get away with a bit less and they their diet's much uh, more varied than other animals. Um, even if they don't do like the solar panels and the Green Lab certification that we're really pushing for, it is still a better alternative. Mm. Um, but why, if you're trying to save the world by cell-cultured meat, why not go all the way? Mm-hmm. Why not actually push to be a Green Lab and mm. making sure you're reducing your impact? I'd For actually any company, whether it's a paper company or grocery store what Coles and Audi are looking at reducing their impact why not keep on pushing for it yeah absolutely and Sam you gave me a tour of the facility in Alexandria which was and you didn't even need to win a golden ticket I didn't even (laughs) and um which is really awesome and I I thought you I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the space that you guys have in Alexandria and how you're looking to move forward and grow from that factory that you've got now yeah so at the moment we've got um two factories in Alexandria factory one factory two funnily enough um, factory two being 10 times, I think it's about 2000 square meters, um, in Alexandria. Um, and we're looking at increasing capacity of that factory pretty soon. Um, from there, we'll be looking at factory three, probably somewhere else, um, in Australia or across the globe, wherever the demand is, we'll be setting up that factory. Pretty much we're needing to produce a large amount of cell cultured meat quickly mm. because the world's not going to wait around for us to keep on doing what we're doing um another of our values vows values spelled v-o-w because we like to cram that vow <laughs> wherever we can <laughs> um is act like the world depends on us um and we do that every day and one of that is knowing that yep the world is burning we're seeing fires left right and center so we're ramping up production as quick as we can um to provide that greener meat to everyone no so griff i'm a bit envious about this tour you guys do you want to tell us a bit about of what you saw or what your impressions of the facility were? I feel like the best way to sum it up, well, like you walk in and it's like, a, I feel like it was a cross between a lab and like a Google headquarters <laughs> or what I imagine that would look like. Like it was very like startup, but in like the best way. I don't know how else to say it. I feel like it was like a mixture of like labs and then the kitchen bit as well. And then bit like everyone just seemed like they really wanted to be there and like doing a lot of cool stuff. So, and yeah, Sounds from like what I saw, it was really FYI, cool. FYI, I do not have a gun to his head. <laughs> That's his, on his own accord that yeah. he liked this facility. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, we are working on getting some Oompa Loompas or something <laughs> to start singing some songs along the way. But yeah, it was really awesome. Oh, thank so, you. How um, I'm curious, how big is the company at the moment? Uh, 85 employees. Okay. Um, I think the last, on Tuesday, it was t- ticked over to 85 um, and still growing now. Um, I'm I'm hoping to hire a few more people into my team soon because once again we're moving at our mm. speeds and we're increasing our capacity we do need amazing scientists engineers marketers product designers pretty much anyone that's got a real passion for saving the world um, and cultured meat we'd love to hear from them at Val, once again saying how great it is 
we don't necessarily go for the degrees. Like if you got 10 PhDs, good for you, buddy. I'm in, enjoy that student debt. Um, <laughs> what we actually look for is more the person. Hmm. So the the interview process is pretty extensive. It's a four-round interview with a fourth round being a super day of multiple interviews back to back to ensure that we are looking for those right people that um, encapture the values. So challenging the impossible every day, blowing up the bar reactor, acting like the world depends on us and um, oh, always forget the, the fourth one. Um, <laughs> Being kind and caring deeply, that's the one. I swear I do that one. Or <laughs> um, well, on that note, we've actually, um, we're a mental health first aid um, certified company as well. I'm one of the mental health first aiders, so making sure all of our people are looked after. Um, we do have an unlimited personal leave policy as well, so anytime you need some time off to, for whatever reason, you can have it. Wow, sounds like a pretty cool place to work. It is a pretty awesome place to work. I'm just gonna not going to lie. Even today... Um, straight after this interview, this is why I'm half dressed up as a cowboy. I left my cowboy hat at work. Um, we've got our Vow Olympics, which what are ha- they? <laughs> it's Vow o- Olympics. Um, we have them every year. Well, we've only had one so far, which my team won. Just FYI, <laughs> looking for the second victory this year with our cultured cowboy team. Um, it's pretty much a day. It's sort of like our flex- athletics carnival. Whole team gets out there. We play all different games like we had sumo wrestling that game where you got a balloon around your leg and you're trying to pop other people's mm-hmm. one egg and spoon race and ice bath challenge shooting hoops we have it all for that crowning glory of winning the trophy <laughs> and cultured cowboys are going to win this year <laughs> i feel like my tour of the factory it looked as cool as all that sounded in, as well as like how everyone was like looked after it just seemed like everyone really wanted to be there yeah it is it's weird I'm, just, I'm not going to lie, it is weird working there. Um, we really push the whole scrappiness of, like, there's a, probably one too many things there held together with duct tape just because there's not a product out there that exists. So we're like, oh, just grab these two products, duct tape, bada bing, bada boom, <laughs> and it works. Um, and that's what we're challenging. That's why we're going, okay, what can we do? We're at the forefront of science where most things don't exist yet mm. so we've got that team scrappy engineers who are putting things together left right and center and going yeah that might work once again challenging <laughs> the impossible and always going do we actually need that because mm. bioreactors is a pharmaceutical thing um which is high grade sterility and all that but we realized that we don't actually need to do that at one point we had a bioreactor out in a hallway just because <laughs> we were building one of our first factory which we built in a month fyi yeah. Um, and we still needed to trial the bioreactors. So we, we had it out in the hallway while the construction was going on to the side. We're like, oh, yeah, we can make it work. And it did work, funnily enough. So scrappy. Could you explain a bit about your role at the company and what your day-to-day might look like? <laughs> Chaos incarnate. Um, so I am the process developer lead. So pretty much my role is responsible for, well, my team's sort of like a talent agency. Pretty much we're responsible for, for developing the scaled up version of the science. So we take the science from scientists working in the R&D labs, as well as taking all the cool machines that the engineers are getting in and meld them together and try and figure out the best way to scale that up to produce the meat. So optimizing processes, things like that. What that means is my team needs to be quite creative and coming up with new approaches to um, achieving those goals. Like one 
we needed to store 500 litres of media. So we just went to Bunnings and got a one of the big toolboxes, threw some wheels on it, drilled a hole in the bottom, done. Problem solved. Um, so that's what my team really does. So what my day-to-day looks like, um, I start, well, it's always a meeting in the morning, but then I could be working on the future product um, for part of the morning, working on some QC, um, like quality, quality control one part, then helping out in the kitchen because I used to be a chef there. Um, pretty much wherever we're needed, we go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of actually give you like a day-to-day, this is what it is because every day is different and we move so fast where you might be doing one thing then it's finished, Next, you're on to the next challenge. Sounds great. Mm. And you spoke about um, how the word vow is incorporated into your values and things like that. Where does the name of the company come from? Apparently there's a really good story um, behind (laughs) it. If you can get someone like, if you can push him into a corner, he'll tell you. I've heard it said it was vegan cow. Don't hold me to that. This is like one of the many myths about vow. And I think I like it that it's mysterious though, that no one really knows where vow comes from. Mm. Because it could be also be like, you're we're making a vow to save the earth and Mm. things like that. But it's adding to the mythos Mm. of the company that once we become as big as Google, it's like, oh, where did it come from? (laughs) I heard that it was also partially because it was so... This is how the rumors start. Brilliant. (laughs) It was so punnable like you could fit it into so many other stuff yeah. like the values and stuff like that exactly well Valympics val- yeah values yeah and we we milk it for everything it's worth like, <laughs> I'm getting that sense yeah <laughs> um, are there many other like companies in Sydney or in Australia that are also doing cell culture like how big is the movement I guess um, there's another company in Australia Magic Valley I believe um, don't hold I'm pretty sure it's Magic Valley um, most of the other companies, though, are Singapore, America, and some, um, and Israel, actually. Israel's got a quite a big cell culture movement. Um, it, new companies coming out every day, and they seem to be focusing on all different products. So mm-hmm. there's cell-cultured milk, eggs, um, seafood, like Shiok Meats is big in the seafood space. Um, pretty much any meat or animal product that you can think of, people are getting into the cell-cultured space. There's even cell-cultured leather now people are looking into. Um, so hopefully in a future very soon, we're going to pretty much have all these different alternatives um, on our menus or in our clothes shop. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I don't, don't know that I'd be up for trying leather <laughs> as, a, as an edible food. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't. I've had some steaks, though, that taste like leather. So, <laughs> As an alternative and shoe clothing yeah. material yeah. sounds great. Mm. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. I was wondering if you could, uh, as the last question, just like if you've got any piece of advice for any young scientist or just, it can be as general as you want, just any piece of advice you could provide our listeners. That's the last. I could have done a whole podcast (laughs) of the scientist advice. Um, Can I give it, this might be a bit of a longer answer if I'm allowed to. My background is quite varied. It took me about 10 years to do my undergrad degree because I tried seven different degrees in that time. I tried psychology, history, politics, international studies in German language and culture, nursing, business, wine science, medical science. Then I also became a chef and a baker and a gelato maker, funnily enough. And there was a stint in there as a nude model as well, but that's neither here nor there. What I got out of that process is, and this is my advice for young scientists, is um, fail quickly. Fail hard and fail quickly. 
the quicker you can fail the better and don't be afraid to I well some of those degrees I did a semester and I'm like yep no I can't do this I'm out that's not a bad thing and I think the more you do that the more you realize oh actually beginning to find out who I am as a person so scientists don't be afraid to fail fail hard fail quickly and don't follow your dreams I know that sounds harsh (laughs) your dreams are dreams for a reason Um, they should help guide you don't like I'm going to be the world's best, sorry, marine biologist. <laughs> slight dig. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> slight dig, because marine biologists are apparently the coolest scientists. <laughs> that's cool. Um, mm. If you don't get there, that's that's also cool. Mm. But, you know, if it's guided you into an area where you're close to the sea and you're enjoying marine life, then that's a win as well. But it never take that as a personal failing of mm. yours, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good piece of advice. Yeah. And... To close off, we always ask our guests to choose a song and you chose, or could you tell us what song you chose and why you chose it? God, my memory's so bad. And I think I chose Don't Stop Me yeah. Now by Queen. <laughs> the reason I chose that song is because I think that envisions the whole vow culture of um, like vow speed, moving at light speed, where going after goal after goal after goal and hitting it out of the park every time. Um, and although I didn't talk about it, throughout this podcast the only reason we can hit it out of the park each time is because our incredible team is just i'm enamored by every person i meet in our team because their skill set is weird <laughs> like yeah they've got degrees some got phds and masters but all their other skill sets are just strange we've got too many guitar players <laughs> and tr- i think there's a trombone player as well there now all those different skills and they bring those them whole entire selves to vow every day and that's what i love about that company and i think this song um because of all that that's how we can keep on going and no no one's stopping us awesome yet (laughs) (laughs) well yeah thank you so much for coming on the show sam it's been really interesting to hear about your work and vow and how amazing your company has been it's been great yeah thank you very much for having me and stay tuned for the next product launch and remember forgedbyvow.com join the wait list Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to Boiling Point. We'll be back next week with a new science story. Bye for now. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. And the world, I'm turning inside out. I'm floating around in ecstasy.